Yeah, it's the Friendly Fire Show, episode 166 for the start of February 2021. It's a brand new year. It's our first time back. Hi, Ben. First, I guess I'm Steve from Survivor. I'm Ben from Survivor. We're back. I'm we out of had practice. A, a summer hiatus, as everyone did. We didn't want to. It was just the rules. Everyone seemed to be off over summer, so we thought we better be off. There wasn't a lot going on, really, Yeah. Well, otherwise. Hmm, there yeah, were a yeah. couple of games come out. We did have new consoles to play. There was a real big game, which didn't work properly, but I think we covered that in the last episode, which was a long, long time ago. I think it's which, better now. Oh, Cyberpunk. I'm like, what mm. game are you even talking about? Yeah, it's yeah. been that long. I've forgotten. Um, yeah. And I have my Spider-Man shirt, which is cool. Ta-da. If oh, you're yeah. watching the video, which is neat. That's what I played since we last did this. I How good played, is it? It's very good. I My first PS5 Platinum trophy. So yeah, Not the cool. original Spider-Man? Uh, yes, correct. My The original Spider-Man upgrade, the save, was my first one. Very annoying. They don't let you move the save from PS5 to PS4 so I can get a free Platinum from the PS4 version uh, of Miles Morales, but I, I can't. I don't really care. I thought you could. No, you can upload from PS4 to PS5, but not PS5 to PS4. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. And I wasn't going to play that dodgy last-gen version just for some trophies, so... Well, I got a platinum on. No, I didn't. I had all but the last trophy on PS4, and then I had to get rid. Of... Well, I didn't have to get rid of my PS4s. I chose to get rid of my PS4s, and did something wrong. So I completely lost Miles Morales and saves mm. and stuff. So I would have to play that game again from scratch, and it was good, but not that good. That being said, I've finished Control on PC for Game Pass, and I am currently playing Control Ultimate Edition on Series X. Uh, just for achievements, because that's different. You could also play it on PS5 for trophies, because it's free there this month with uh, PlayStation Plus. I'm not going to lie. I've already downloaded it. it. I've already... (laughs) You may as well. I'm going to play it again. I really liked it. It's one of my favorite games of 2019, 18, 19. 19. 19. Yeah, because 2020 was DLC. Mm. Well, see, I'm going to play it again, but probably just once. I'll pick Xbox or... Or PlayStation. If you want a pro tip, and it's kind of cheating, but not really, especially if you've already finished it, you can go into options and gameplay, and you can turn on a whole bunch of assists, like invulnerability and one-hit kills, which makes it a mm. lot faster to get through if you're kind of just like already okay with how the combat works, and you just want a little bit of like a hit of story or something. Do recommend, especially if you're playing on a PC and then on Xbox again. Mm. Um, weirdly, though, it crashes a whole bunch um, in like the PC. Xbox Game Pass version is kind of glitchy. I think they realized that 505 Games put out a statement and they're going to patch it, but it like crashes every 10 minutes for some. Um, I've found today that the Control Xbox Series S and X version was doing kind of the same thing. Like, you know how sometimes in the olden days on Xbox, if you used to like bring up the menu, like the in-game menu and Control, it would take forever. Yep. If you go into like the menu system, either like to game options or to like, pick a different weapon type it sometimes hangs a screen goes black sometimes and then eventually it figures out what it's doing and then other times it just straight up crashes to the home screen again okay there's work to be done we'll cover that in a future episode when i've played it perhaps sorry uh although it's an old game i suppose i suppose that's all we need to talk about we've talked about the game i don't know in which episode but go back it'll be there in one of them it's good we could have had that information available but we don't uh this has pretty much covered our first topic, which is going to be we've had three months of the new consoles. How are we using them? How's it going? And it's very much that. It's playing old stuff is what we're doing here, but playing mm-hmm. old stuff better. So yeah. 
that's pretty much what my review says. It's like 3,000 words. Of, you can play all your old Xbox games and they run better. There's really nothing new. Uh, the couple of games which were new on PlayStation have come and gone, so it did have a better start. But now that we're three months in, I think you've played Spider-Man, you've played Astro Bot. Uh, yeah, that's You've it. maybe downloaded Destruction All-Stars if you're on mm. uh, PlayStation and you are feeling like that game. Um, I haven't started. I downloaded it, but I haven't played it. Uh, I saw Joe and Alex Walker talking on Twitter, and it sounds like there's not even anything resembling local servers, so it's kind of hard to get decent games without ridiculous ping and stuff. I don't know if that's accurate or not, or if I just read a... Probably. A I'm not going to try that trash. Sounds terrible. Uh, I would say PlayStation has felt different to it because of the controller. Yeah. Because it's different, uh, and it's taken some getting used to. Xbox just feels like my Xbox One X, but better in the way that uh, once I moved to One X, I just got used to it straight away. And it wasn't until I went back to the chunky old Xbox One that I realized how much better it was on One X. The same things happen with Series X. You play it, you know, in like Hitman, I'm used to a 10 second or five second load. And then I went back and played Hitman 2 briefly, still quicker on um, Series X, but off the the uh, hard drive, it takes so much longer. It's like, oh, that's right. This is what last gen was like. So already just used to it. I've been replaying the Mass Effect trilogy and like the same thing. And we will talk about the Legendary Edition later on. But like one of the big memeable things about that first game is that the elevator loading screens just go forever and ever and ever. And I'm like, well, I'm going to just I have enough space. I'll put it on my internal SSD and see what happens. And it's like mm. it's, they're still long, but they're a lot faaster. <laughs> like yeah. I appreciate that. I don't want to have to wait around and, and loading screens anymore. That's like so 2019. Mm. So basically, we're looking for, forward to some actual games coming out, but there's like nothing on the release radar. There's a couple of things. Drip through 2021. Uh, can't even think of any. Resident Evil 8 is coming out yeah, in May. Yeah, there's I nothing think. good till May. But so there's, yeah, there's a big gap. And yeah. there's nothing after that either. So there's a lot to announce. It's the COVID way. People don't announce things until they're sure. Uh, so yeah, we're playing old stuff. We've got a, a better version of old games. That's a great segue into Hitman 3 because it's basically mm. like a new game, but also you can play the older versions of Hitman 1 and 2, That's I guess, right. specifically in 3. Um, mm. I love it. Have you, how, how much have you played? Finished all of the three stuff. Uh, it's definitely the best version to play. So if you have access to the other two, you own them. There was some bungling around that when it first launched. People did own it, but they couldn't access it. I think that's fixed now. So now it works fine for me at least. Uh, as I said, I did go back and get some missed achievements from Hitman 2. So I did compare them directly and it's it's just nicer. The faster loading and the 60 frames 4K on Series X versus 30 frames on in Hitman 2 uh, makes a huge difference. Like, yeah, it's night and day. It just feels so clunky. And like, I know it wasn't like that, but it kind of felt like they were doing like the stagger, stagger, stagger when they're like, you don't realize how much you get used to a clean 30 uh, 60 i should say not a filthy old 30 uh yeah so it's it's minor tweaks like hitman one to two if you played the number one levels in two they actually played quite differently like they changed the mechanics yeah. like the hiding mechanics i think changed they haven't really done any of that they've just it just runs better it's a classic current gen game basically but i like all the new levels have you played through all of them yet 
I've only gone to Dubai. And then I oh. I do this thing where I love Hitman, but I don't have enough time for it because I want to actually mm. go and like do everything in one of those levels until I've exhausted all avenues. And you know what that means. It means like get all the achievements for Paris and then go to Sapienza or whatever. Well, there's um, less achievements, I think, per level than previously. At the moment, they're clearly going to add more because it's got a weird number. It's like 1540 or something. Uh-huh. Uh, but we're, they're going to add more. Um there's only three story missions for each. So I think there were like 10 in some of the Hitman 2 ones. And to get all the story missions, like, oh, it's going to take forever. It's only three. So it's pretty easy. You can normally knock out two of them in one playthrough. Yeah. Um, but there's more kind of like just a challenge objectives. So you don't have to do that. You can look at the challenge list and it's got some real crazy ways to kill. Next level, some like, you know, you can have people slip over a banana peel. Like they've gone crazier. Uh, but they're not part of a story mission like they used to be. So there's only a few, there's a less, if you want to follow that curated, go here, go here, go here, go here, get a cool death, there's less of those. But if you, huh. there's more that you can just find yourself without that like hand that. holding. Because yeah. some of them in like two, so I've, I've played through one and two and what I'm doing is like I'm playing in one and then I'm playing in two and then I was going to play in three, but I my thing's screwed up. So when I last checked, I can't play the old ones in three. So, but I've done like Paris mm. And Sapienza, I'm at Marrakesh, I think. Yep. And I'm just like, I'm literally just going and getting all the achievements and killing people all the coolest ways and just like loving it. And then, so I'll go through like a walkthrough occasionally and kind of get all the the things and then I'll put everything away and just play and see what I can find and like chain things together. And that's super, super fun. Mm. It's just a nice, it's like relaxing. Once you've gone through the walkthrough and do the like the weird necessary things that rely on timing or whatever just having a play in the sandbox is the best bit. And yeah. like, I don't care about the story at all. And from what Hamish was saying in his review, like this is a pretty one-to-one of blood money, but like, I don't know, all Hitman games are basically like you're Hitman, you get in trouble, Hitman, Hitman yourself out of it. Like, I don't know. I don't really care, but. um, Yeah. There's a, there's a story that links all the missions a bit more than it had been previously. So that is in the one and two. Uh, but for the first time, it kind of weaves its way into some of the levels. Like you are playing like this because of that story, which we hadn't really had before. And I think the story is garbage. Um, <laughs> but each of them, each level kind of has its own story because you're on this mission to do like an assassinate this two or four people or whatever you're doing. And I think that is, that's kind of how I played the first two. It was kind of like, I don't care that, what the connection is between these. These are just assignments that 47 has. I get it. He's a genetically engineered super assassin. I don't really care about that. Because he has playing... a barcode on the back of his neck. That's how you know. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just playing is, you know, this is his mission. The next one has no relation to that one. That's fine. He was sent to a different mission. It's, you know, but there is a story between it. I kind of ignored that. Uh, they still left it open. That can be a Hitman 4 easily. Yeah. Um, I would say the level. So Dubai's good. Uh, the next, is it the next one? Um, the murder mystery. It's a murder one that mystery. everybody talks about. Yeah. So it's full on based on that um, Ryan Johnson movie, Knives, Knives Out. Out. Yeah. Um, pretty cool. I mean, so that's a great example of the mission stories because the first one, which it basically forces you to do because where you start, you start right behind him and it's a private investigator. So you can go through and investigate this murder mystery. Many other ways to kill this lady, but that's the one you're going to follow first. And it's a pretty cool story. It's just this massive old British mansion, basically. Uh, and then you go from there. I think I can't remember what the next one is. Um, I think you're in Berlin, and that's that's a that's the only level which is quite different. So it's based on like a Berlin club. Um, Bergheim, I think, is the one in real life. Well, uh, we googled it and looked it up because, um, yeah, 
Because that's what we do right now. We can't go to visit it, so we're going to look at it on the internet. Uh, I'd never heard of it. Claire and I have watched like six YouTube videos on it now because it's such a weird, it's like a full-on fetish club where there's just people, heaps of people line up every weekend and most people don't get in. Like they just eyeball you, you're in, you're out, whatever. And anything goes inside. And so perfect spot for Agent 47, basically. Uh, And you can kind of tell that some of these guys who made this game didn't get let in by the snarky remarks of the bouncers when he first tries to go in. Uh, Because, yeah, 47 kind of looks like he fits in this type of place. That's his zone. But anyway, why it's different is because you don't have a target. You're just told you need to assassinate five agents which are in here and you need to find them. And so there are actually 10 in total. Yeah. And can you get all 10? You can only get five, okay. uh, but then you can play it again and you can go for a different one. Um, and there are ways to orchestrate it that you can get five, to, like con them into or going into one room and then just unload on them, you know, with a shotgun or something. Um, but yeah, so it's a, it's different, experimental and a bit, I would say that's one part of their Bondi pitch. Because um, if you aren't aware, I Interactive have the James Bond license for at least one game. Um, and this is quite different, like an open world, you need to find who you're trying to get bit different to other hitmans and the other one that's bondy is the very last mission is a classic shooter you're on a train basically oh. very bond you need to get to the front of the train kill the bad guy at the front i think i played that in about six bond games you can choose like you don't you can shoot all these people if you want you haven't done that at all in any other mission or you can stealth around them basically and dress up as them and get through okay them. like so, can you still like hitman it okay yeah you can uh, it's probably the only mission which is kind of like, oh, you should go shoot these people. So you kind of need to go beyond that to be like, no, I can still get past them if I want because it's such a narrow corridor. And it did playing that, it either felt like they ran out of money or they ran out of time for the last mission because it's so much shorter than the others. Or this is part of their bond pitch and they just like oh, put 47 in because now we can add that to Hitman 2. It just felt a bit different. But anyway, it's a good game overall. So if that if those two levels are kind of like the, the bond game, is that... Is that good or is it look is it rushed? Like um, you know what I'm trying to get. No, it's good. I think these are all well designed levels. There's some well designed stories in there. I think to transition from Hitman to Bond, they need to improve their gunplay a bit because I don't know how you play it, but I try not to shoot anyone. Oh, it gets messy um, really quickly. It does. And yeah, if you do, you can only shoot like one or two people, and then it's a bit clunky anyway. So they probably need to improve that because as much as I think uh the Bond people want less of just a first person shooter they want something a bit more tactical because if you watch a bond movie he kills a few people he doesn't go kill like 500 people like all the games do so i I get why they're doing it like this but he's gonna have to shoot more than 47 does and they need to do something about you're gonna have to have a car chase or something so i don't know how that would fit with the hitman engine so you can kind of see where they're starting but they're gonna have to change it it can't just be a direct clone to with bond thrown in well which is good because i want it to kind of be like that weird middle ground between like an EA licensed thing from the early 2000s that we're kind of used to Mm. and what Hitman is. But I really do like Hitman. I think it's hilarious though. And I don't know if it improves in three, like especially in in Paris and Sapienza and Marrakesh. It's just like fantastically amazing how many people around those little like centers are just like bald dudes who happen to look like Agent 47. So it's not a big deal if he just like slaps on a pair of glasses. He's like, oh, I am Dr so and so and and then they similar they go to great lengths to be like oh and it's how convenient that no one has ever met me in real life so i can it's fine i don't have to worry about it there's one in three where the woman you need to con later that you're him he speaks to her you watch him speak to her and he's got hair and he you know they say something it's like oh i'll come back later 
Uh, and then he just walks around a corner and you get his disguise and you walk straight back. And she's like, oh, you're ready to come now. And I'm like, uh, I'm a bald man. <laughs> anyway. Yes, I shaved my head just very quickly for the occasion. Let's go. But the other, the opposite happens too sometimes. I definitely improved it in three because there's that little dot above the people who who are going to know who you are. But still some of them are kind of like, I'm a random security guard. Why does this guy know that I'm... An yeah. imposter straight away, like because it's a, it's no a reason game. they're all puzzles, and that's, that's anyway. But uh, that's why I like about nailed it. that. It's yeah, there's you some bits that are, it. and I guess they need to probably address those bits specifically for a Bond game because it has to make more like real world actual sense. I yeah. Think. Anyway, hmm. um, did you end up playing the medium? I played up until about five minutes in, where I'm on a motorbike or just got off a motorbike, standing outside a gate. So I found a key. I had some like trippy right scene right at the start. Uh, it was nighttime came and it was too scary for me to keep playing. So that's where I'm up to. It is. It is. It's. I don't get. I. You're allowed to like or hate a game. I don't mind the medium. I don't think it's Bloober Team's. I think they're going to keep doing better games from this. I think it's their best one to date. I don't think it's that good, but I don't think it's like abysmal. And it's getting some other like really ridiculously high ratings. Or really, really low ratings. It's like a, nah, it's like a solid seven, seven and a half to me. Um, and I have a text-based guide if you don't care and you want to, you know, get all the collectibles <laughs> uh, and stuff. So you can use that. Um, bit tanky for me. I didn't like. Yeah, but that's like tank game. It's like Silent Hill and like Resident Evil Code Veronica had like a love child, and this is it. Like the character is yeah. like a carbon copy of Claire Redfield that uses those like static camera angles from Code Veronica, but that's the first RE game that had like the actual 3D backgrounds, not the rendered like flat backgrounds that the original like PlayStation ones had. So they had like fixed cameras, but that eventually kind of like slowly followed you around and like they still got to choose their angles and make it suspenseful. And they do that stuff really, really well. Um, yeah, that's what I don't like. I'm the, uh, I, I only liked Resident Evil 2 when I played the remake. I could never get into it before. So I'm a, I'm a modern camera angle guy. There you go. It has a lot of like psychological, suspenseful horror, like in um, Layers of Fear, but obviously this is a third person uh, game, not a first person game. Um, kind of like Blair Witch, but I don't know. Blair Witch seems to be completely different to me. There's a bit of jump scare. There's not a ton of jump scare, but there's still probably more than some people would like. Um, and to be honest, the split screen thing is kind of cool, but most of the time it's not really necessary. And I like it better when they just focus on one of the worlds and they tend to do that quite a bit. And then, then sometimes go back to the weird split screen gimmick. Mm. Um, it's like, it's okay. It's just, I don't, it's not that necessary for most of the things that they do. Um, there are some kind of cool puzzles that do involve that really well, but then sometimes it's just like a matter of like, I don't know where I'm supposed to be looking. Do I look at the upstairs Marianne or do I look at the downstairs Marianne? And like, it's, I don't know, like, and you kind of learn that you don't really need to worry about that for the most part, but it's still like unnerving because you're just so not used to it. And it's like, you're playing like a multiplayer split screen game, but like you're controlling both people. Um, it's on game pass though. So like check it out. And if you play it for five minutes inside, you don't want to play it like you did Ben, or at least play it at that time. I'm like, going to play it again. It's yeah. Like no skin off your back. If you don't like it, just stop playing. And if you do it's like it, keep playing a classic game pass game. I think <laughs> that's why it should be there. It's yeah. It, yeah, it's not like an Xbox killer app by any stretch of the imagination. Mm, but it is the first exclusive Xbox, like as in generational exclusive. It's not on Xbox One and somehow it still goes down to 900p. So I don't understand that. 
it's a it's bloober team who um are really cool they really like horror but yeah like it sometimes it looks super amazingly current gen and fantastic and then other times like a character just has this weird wonky animation and you're just like <laughs> this is like 10 years ago it's 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 bloober team like it's mm. quintessential bloober team um so if you like them you'll probably like this too yep i didn't play bowser's fury so you that's all yours this next game on our list of things that we've been playing yeah well this is a two-pack so nintendo saw their classic they've really scraped the bottom of the barrel now we've got to mario 3d world uh, which was a Wii U game in 2013, so that's being ported to Switch uh, this month, so next week, I think. It's uh, no point covering that because you played that seven years ago, but it runs a little better on Switch. I think it's like they sped it up or something, so it's that's it. That's it's the like same game. the side-scrolly type Mario, right? Not like uh, the Odyssey, full open-worldy kind of one. So it's in between. It's just, You're trying to get to the, hence the 3D world. It's a bit misleading because it's not a full 3D game but it was a sequel to 3D Land, which is a DS game, so, or 3DS game. That's why it's called 3D. Uh, it's basically you're you're trying to get to the flag still of the side-scrollers, but you can move around a bit in that area. So you're not full-on side-scrolling, but you're not open-world like Odyssey either. Okay. Bowser's Fury, on the other hand, so that's a new game that comes with this. It's one of the first uh, Nintendo re-releases that actually has some new material, and it's pretty comprehensive. It's it's probably not enough for them to have released as a standalone game. That's why it's like this, at least not at full price. But it is, it's a full game basically in the sense that there are, so you're searching for cat shines as opposed to regular shines. Of course. Um, someone at Nintendo, I think working from home go, has gone to Nintendo's head. They love cats in Japan, I know, but this is next level. It's all about the cat, uh, cat Mario that is. You don't have to play as him the whole time, but he plays him a lot. Um, you're chasing cat shines. There's a lot of them. I thought it was going to be like a little get 20 of them situation, but there's almost as many as, I don't know if I can say the numbers, but I'll just say there's almost as many as there are uh, stars in Super Mario 64. Maybe just round it down to the nearest hundred. Uh, that's your number. Survivor's and you need... Legal Defense Fund. Uh, <laughs> <thank you. laughs> and uh, you need about half of those to finish it officially, get rid of Fury Bowser, and then you can just keep hunting the rest. So the difference is uh, you get them really quick. So as opposed to the other 3D Mario games, like Odyssey 64 and Sunshine, uh, where you kind of jump into the world, you do one, and then you go back out and you go back in. None of that. This is just one big open world. But within that, there's a series of kind of little courses, and each course has about five shines that you can get, and you can just get them all in one go. So you can get like five in you know, a couple of minutes. But then another one, you might get stuck on, it takes ages. So much snappier pace than other Mario games. If you want to get technical, it's the actual first open world because the others are like a series of worlds that you kind of bounce between. They're kind yeah. of like different levels. It's just one big one. So mm -hmm. some experimenting from Nintendo perhaps for their next real game uh, or full-length game. Um, much easier than your Sunshine and your 64, which I've been playing through the emulation port. Um, so basically you have Mario's various items like his uh, Fire Flower, the Katsu, all those. You can have up to like 40 of those just stashed away. So you always have a power up. You always have one ready to go. You can change to the one you need for the moment. They're clearly aimed at that younger demographic again. Mm. Um, but it's so you can get through it quick. It's meant to be snappy. And that's pretty much it. The the only other thing is the fury element, which is every, I think I counted at the start of the game, but maybe you got quicker later on. It was about every eight to seven minutes. Um, the world, which is really nice and classic Mario, classic bright, 
uh, Nintendo landscape goes very black. There's fire everywhere and a giant Bowser comes and tries to kill you, basically. By, you know, in a Nintendo kill, he blows some fire on you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and what you want to do then is you want to go find the Fury blocks, which are scattered all around everywhere because Fury Bowser's fire is anything that can break them and they're all hiding a shine behind them pretty much. So uh-uh. you go stand in front of them, let me hit that. And once you get enough three times, you get to power up into uh, Supersonic, basically. Um, like 20 times taller Mario in cat form. And for some reason, he gets like flowing hair. Um, He's a cat and giant cats. That's It's just... Yeah, it's, it's yeah, very know. Super Saiyan or Supersonic. exactly the same. And you fight the giant Bowser. Um, that's what Nintendo showed. You do that a few times. That's your game. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Um I very much enjoyed it. I would recommend playing it if you're going down the Nintendo release path. I would even suggest that if you get it on sale, it's worth buying for that alone if you're not going to play 3D World. But yeah, I can see why they packaged it up and they didn't want to standalone release it. And if you are a fan of 3D World, then hey, it's just a nice, lovely bonus, especially if you love cats. And who doesn't? Probably people that like dogs. Um, Did you play the Resident Evil... Eight demo exclusive to PlayStation Five called Maiden. No, but I know oh. you did. So yeah, like immediately it? after it was announced, it's one yeah. of those awesome things where there was like, yeah, it's out now. I'm like, I'm already downloading it. Thank you. Uh, it's about 15 minutes long. I don't think it's anything like the Resident Evil Seven demo when it first came out, which was this cool little like. It is. It, it's a separate story. It's not like a chunk from Village, which comes out in May. Um, but it's like a little side thing to get you used to the the idea of of the world and if you haven't played it you know the seven or eight yet it's that first person kind of like changed resident evil experience Mm. um it's it's good it's it's not like a little mystery that you got to go and like work as a team to find bits and pieces it's just like a little narrative um but it's still really cool it shows off the ps5's um like 3d audio and if you played the kitchen vr demo and you can remember like hearing sounds of people running above your head or like around your head as you're like stuck in the chair. It's yeah. very reminiscent. Oh, it's like, it's, <laughs> it's reminiscent of that, which is really cool. Um, it, it looks amazing. Of, of course, like it's in a dungeon and like a spooky castle. So like, you're not seeing a, a huge variety of, of environments, but it's like very, the start of resident evil seven like it's a very unique environment and it's immersive and it's terrifying um and you do run into the tall lady which is like everyone's meme of late she's close to 10 foot tall you can't really get a sense of her height in the uh in the demo she shows up right at the end um but it's cool it's 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 very resident evil seven it's that first person kind of you're sort of moving kind of like you're in molasses kind of feel like it's not quite like i don't i don't really like first person games to be honest but i don't mind the resident evil first person experience uh there's not a lot to talk about because it's all kind of story and we get into on the site you know what we think it means for the characters and this that the other um so if you're so inclined you can check it out or add your Mm. thoughts but um if that's if this is what resident evil 8 is going to be uh a continuation of seven with creepy giant ladies, maybe werewolves and like probably like vampire ladies or something to that extent. Like I'm in resident evil seven was weird and crazy and still kind of fits within the world. So if you like resident evil two, it's not really going to impact that. And 
Village looks to be doing the same thing. So if you have a PS5, which you might not, because good luck, um, check it out. Otherwise, there's going to be a RE8 demo coming to all available platforms. They announced it was going to be for Xbox One and PS4 too, um, sometime ahead of the May release date, which is kind of cool if you want to check it out. Yep. If it comes out then. Well, yeah. Don't want to jinx it. <laughs> Everything's delayed. Deal with it. I don't know. Um, anything else you want to talk about playing? Before no, we that's get all into- I can remember playing. Uh, now, I know you've been playing Mass Effect, even though you've been playing the old versions because yes. they're now coming to last-gen consoles but will be improved on current-gen. Is that right? What's going on with this? Um, so very edition. Legend, Mass, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition is a remaster of the first three, the original Mass Effect trilogy, so one, two, and three. Comes with all of the DLC except for Pinnacle Station, which was on uh, Mass Effect. Uh, from what I remember, it came out on 360 and then something happened to the code. It got corrupted and lost and they didn't have it. So like the DLC never came out on PS3 as an example. Uh, and they tried to track down some code again and just it didn't work out. So that's the one piece of DLC that isn't included. Everything else is, including the extended cut uh, of Mass Effect 3. If you haven't played it, uh, <laughs> you probably know that fans weren't incredibly happy about the ending, so it tried to kind of fix it a, a bit. Um, each of the games will be up to 4K and in 60 frames per second, but like you said, Ben, it's on Xbox um, and Xbox One and PS4, so it's only hitting 60 frames on and 4K, I suppose, on Xbox One X and PS4 Pro. Um, won't run badly, though, on, on base last gen consoles um and they said that they'd kind of like turn on some stuff for series x and s and ps5 but it sounds more like it's kind of that sliding scale of a pc dev thing so like they didn't really say what is going to happen yeah Mm -hmm. but like if you put it on your ssd it'll be even faster than the loading times that are on old gen um and things like the mass effect elevator loading screens have been drastically reduced to the point where um bioware scripted all these conversations that were taking place in the elevator to try to hide the fact that the elevator loading screen was taking so long um once the game fully loads there'll be like a little skip rest of cutscene button that you can press so like if you don't want to sit in in the elevator and and have to listen to all that you can just get back into playing which is kind of cool uh Textures have been up res, uh, character models have been improved, lighting and all of that kind of stuff that you're used to seeing has been improved. There's a couple of comparison screenshots on the website if you are so inclined to look. Hmm. Uh, and what they've done in Mass Effect 1 is tried to make it a little bit more Mass Effect 2 and 3 like. So it's less clunky, basically. Yeah, and it's from 2007. So fair enough. Um, I just replayed it. I thought it was I thought it got a bad rap. It's probably still my favorite of the three. Two is a close second. Three, I just replayed a bit of three and it's very like runny shooty, like far more than I remember, which is strange. Uh, but Mass Effect one, they're improving um, aiming assist tools because aiming was pretty clunky. Um, back in the day, they are kind of trying to unify the experience in terms of UI across all three games. The character creator is now unified across all three games. Uh, the female default ship that they introduced in Mass Effect 3 is now able to be played throughout the entire course of the trilogy, which is kind of neat. And if you did have this like hankering to create characters back in the day and you have your old character codes, those still will work for the new 
trilogy, which is really kind of cool in my mind. Um, there's a list of stuff that they said was improved. I'm looking at the list really quickly and seeing if there's anything I wanted to talk about. Uh, you'll hit the level. You can hit the level 60 level cap without having to play New Game Plus, which is kind of cool. Before it used to end at level 50. Uh, reduced difficulty and frequency of mini games. A unified control screen between the games. Improved boss encounters, and with that, they're just putting in extra auto save points because in some levels, if you died, you'd go back like just miles back. Yeah, it feels like mm. hours before, and you have to kind of replay the bit up to the boss, and if you die again repeat if you didn't think to save i'm excited like it's it's just an old set of games that's going to get a new coat of paint they, they were pretty adamant uh they being bioware that they didn't want to change the game too much so they had the option of putting it into uh, unreal engine 4 um that would change you know like timings and how it kind of performed also they also kind of said you know like we're a small team doing this we also you know didn't have the time or probably the budget to do that so there is that kind of thing but um I don't mind the idea of kind of keeping true to the original and just kind of making it look pretty and, you know, kind of modernizing it enough. So it still is, you know, the same experience, but it's not going to frustrate people. Hmm. Uh, and there was one other thing I wanted to say, and I forget what that is. Oh, no multiplayer. Um, so Mass Effect 3 still has a pretty, yeah, <laughs> Mass Effect 3 has a pretty decent multiplayer that people still play. And they're just like, yeah, we wanted to focus on single player. We weren't sure how to deal with people still playing the old version you know like how to bring their progress in or like cross play or whatever so we just didn't do it and i think that's more of like a budget as well like a budget decision as well but you know whatever i don't think people really are playing mass effect for the multiplayer at this point hmm. that doesn't bother me i'll consider playing this a while we're on that topic a game which <clears throat> isn't being re-released but could have been remastered actually it was we'll just never get to play it is we finally saw the golden eye remastered footage come out this week and it looked great. Now, this is super old. So this was done by Ray in 2008. Yeah. And so that was, what's the mess on that? 11 years after Goldeneye came out. I believe it was 97. Uh, and so now we're further beyond that now than when this game was actually made. So they have to remaster it again. Like it's if they were to somehow get the license and release it. So it did look a bit old. It looked like a, it kind of looked like Mass Effect. It was a 2008 game. But it looked so much better than 64 Goldeneye. It played exactly the same from what I could tell. Like they didn't modernize the actual gameplay, which is pretty rare for a, a game from that generation to be remastered. I mean, look at like the Spyros and the Crashes. They play pretty similar, but they had to change some things. Uh, yeah, I wish we could have played this. Like, yeah. It would have been a really good like Xbox Live Arcade little like, hmm. you know, like $10 mm, game perfect. or whatever. Yeah. It, I wish they could still do it. They may try. Phil Spencer, so he's been asked a bunch of times and he always says, we can't, like we would love to, but the licensing's too hard. There are too many people in this game that we have to actually license properly now because they're actually in it. It's not just some flat head that you can be like, oh, is that, is that Pierce Brosnan? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it's and that's shame. that's maybe why IO Interactive's James Bond game is using its own James Bond. Same Definitely. idea. Like Daniel Definitely. Craig's too expensive. Um, and... Phil Spencer's been telling me for like 10 years that they're going to do like a one versus 100 online cool multiplayer game like that. It still hasn't happened. So, you know. So we can't trust him is what you're saying. No, Philly. You could say anything. <laughs> uh, that's, that's something which isn't happening. Something else which isn't happening is first party games from Stadia because they have shut down their internal development. So I would like to ask you, is this the beginning of the end for Stadia? Well, we haven't even played Stadia here. So I don't, probably, yes, I think so. Not promising. Um, 
No. And it's weird because in December 2019, they were still trying to grow it so much that they bought um, Alex Hutchinson's Typhoon mm. Studios. And he's like an Australian guy who started up his own studio. They made Journey to the Savage Planet, which I thought was really good. Um, and those staff were folded into Stadia Games and Entertainment, which was headed by Jade Raymond of EA Motive and Ubisoft uh, fame. And she's left and people on that team are now being kind of like put on to other projects. I don't know what that would really mean if you're a game developer working for Stadia and they're not developing games. Like, I'm not sure like what you're going to be doing, but cool. Good for you. Um, it's sad. I don't, like Stadia is a weird concept. Like it's a, it's a live streaming thing where you don't own the games and you have to buy them, but you have to pay for the Stadia. And you yep. compare it to something like, I, I get that the benefit is you don't have to have it installed anywhere and you don't have to patch it and this and that and the other. But I don't know, like to me, Game Pass on my Android, pretty much the same thing, but I don't have to worry about like buying things. It's just like get Game Pass, have it on this, have it on that. And we obviously have decent enough internet to run that. And like, like I said, in, well, yeah. And in if Australia- you get 5G, it works okay. Stadia is this magic bean that you've never actually experienced. You've only heard about it. So I, yeah, I don't know. I think it is. Yeah. And I don't even care if I'm being honest. I don't know what you think. If they were going to make their big play, it had to be like, we still have xCloud as xCloud. It's not whatever it's called now. But the real name, Xbox Streaming, we don't have that yet here. We're only in the preview. So I think they needed to get more worldwide before Xbox did it. Xbox seems to be ahead and they have more games and more games you can only get on Xbox or PC. Whereas Stadia seems to be going down the, oh, you know, we're just going to be a platform for a bunch of third-party games, which I think could work if you had a good price and you had heaps of games on there. Like you had, you know, 500 third-party games, pick anything, bit of a Netflix style. But then look ahead, look what happened with Netflix. They lost so many licenses that they had to pivot and make their own stuff because they kept losing content. That will happen to Stadia. It will just, you know, it will have a bunch of Ubisoft games for a couple of years and that will be the reason to have it and then it will lose them all and just have nothing to replace it with. So if it's not just going to die this year, I don't think it has much future left. Well, and in Australia, Google might just completely leave altogether. So, you know, <laughs> we're not going to have Google search. We're definitely not going to have Stadia. So <laughs> ScoMo says Bing is fine. Uh, <laughs> Bing is not fine, but we'll, well, we'll move over that. If only Microsoft made a game stream. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what else we're not going to get, Ben? What's check that? Out, check out this masterful segue. Yeah. We're not going to get a price increase on Xbox Live Gold, even though Microsoft Ooh. said we were. Mm. That was this, weird. This has got to be Xbox's biggest mistake with Phil Spencer at the at the top because I don't they this is totally opposite of all of his plans. His whole strategy has been not this. It's been the opposite of this. So Clearly, the incent, the idea here was let's double the price of gold and that will convince people to get Ultimate instead, Game Pass Ultimate. Yeah. That is not what happened because it turns out there's millions of people who don't care about Game Pass. They just want to play COD or whatever. So, and I would have thought Xbox would have known that and then it wouldn't go down well. And there were so many rumors that gold was going to be removed. Again, that sounds very what Xbox and what Phil Spencer are doing at the moment is making it easy to play on things. They say you can play on whatever device you want. And so the difference is at the moment, if you pick to play on um, PC versus Xbox, you don't have to pay to play multiplayer on PC. So getting rid of gold made sense. They did the opposite. They doubled the cost. Uh, I have not seen a fallout so quick where they've just had to backtrack. Not only that, they said 
oh yeah, we just realized that on PlayStation and Switch, free-to-play games are actually free. You don't need a subscription to play them online and you have to pay whatever it is a year to play Fortnite on Xbox. We're going to get rid of that. We're going to level with everyone else, basically. Yeah. So I did see some conspiracies. This was a bit of new Coke, you know, coming out with a real dud announcement and then saying, we're going to fix it and we're going to have even better than before with what we used to have. I don't think that's true. I think they were just tone deaf. It was like late Friday night when they did that course correction. And I can't imagine a series of Xbox executives wanted to be, well, if, if it was all some giant conspiracy theory, they weren't working Friday night because so. they just said, oh, Dad, put out that second tweet. But mm. uh, yeah, it's the timing of it just seems weird to, for it to have been a weird, like, ploy. Um, the market told them. But had had they kept this, I think they would have killed the Series S in immediately. Yeah. Because the the whole point of the Series S is it's cheaper, it's your entry level, it's your Game Pass machines. Oh, I get it, they want people on Game Pass, but there's always going to be people who are getting it for their kid to play Fortnite and you know maybe a COD or a FIFA. They don't want that big cost of Game Pass Ultimate. Uh, it, I don't see why anyone would purchase the Series S if gold costs double the amount. I think it's a big market who potentially buy it. And yeah, the Series X would have followed. So it, they're not going to win this generation, but that would have just killed. I think they wouldn't have made it to the end. I think they would have bowed out if they had kept that. So big yeah, mistake. well, and the, it's a mistake for so many other reasons. And like, I do like, I do like that they've come back now and said, you know, like if you want to play a COD Warzone or an Apex Legends or a Fortnite, you don't have to pay for multiplayer anymore. You don't have to pay for Xbox Live Gold. But then, like, hmm. if Microsoft has spent the last I don't know, two, three years trying to say how consumer friendly they are and and removing barriers to play and trying to promote cross play and da 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 da. So they've basically just kind of pointed out to me that if I want to buy a free to play game, which costs zero, I do not have to buy a multiplayer access pass to play it. But if I spend a hundred bucks on Call of Duty Modern Warfare or Advanced Warfare or Black Ops Cold War, that's what I was trying to think of, I I still have to pay to then play that game online. So I'm not just yeah. buying the game, I'm buying like the little access pass on top of it, which is like, well, that's not very consumer friendly. So yeah, get rid of it. Get Xbox Game Pass. If people don't have to play for any multiplayer, the money that they could be spending on the multiplayer, they could spend on Game Pass, which is still what Microsoft wants anyway. You didn't need yeah. to raise the price. I don't get it. Um, and it's it's weird because there's what they, they said today or yesterday that there's 18 million subscribers on Game Pass now, which is three million more than the last. I think they said that last number about three months ago. Yeah. So every month right now in new console Eve, they're racking up a million new subscribers a month. Get rid of Xbox Live Gold. I think people would have people. Yeah, people would just, you know, like, oh, I'm not spending 10 bucks a month on this now. I'll just funnel it into Game Pass. And then I also get games rather than just the ability to play Warzone or Black Ops or whatever. So I don't know. It's it was a weird bunch of decisions that is ultimately kind of good for us, but still not as good as it could be. And to me, it's more like this is a taste of what we should be at now. (laughs) It's kind of disappointing. That it's, makes sense. Uh, it's shaken some confidence in Microsoft for me because I think they were on the right path and they were so clear we're consumer friendly. That's our go this generation. And Sony did a pretty bad job. Like they would just assume the PS5 would dominate and it is. Uh, and they, you know, they did nothing like their back compat announcement was so late, all that stuff. Uh, Xbox's thing was we're just going to level with you. We're telling you everything straight. 
here's what we're doing for you to make it better. You can choose where you want to play. And then they just went so off the rails here. And as you say, you know, they were trying to drive people to ultimate. If they had said, we're getting rid of gold, if you've already prepaid or you'd like to buy a subscription to gold and put it on there, you'll move to ultimate for free one-to-one. People aren't going to cancel that. They're going to, you know, it'll lose Xbox no money essentially because those people are either going to cancel gold entirely or they're going to uh, stay with Game Pass Ultimate. So, yeah, yeah, crazy. And how many, like, I don't know, how many people are there month to month now that only do play Fortnite or Warzone or something that are like, oh, I don't have to pay this anymore. So, I don't know, like, there wasn't, yeah. If the goal was to try to get people to move from game or from live to, to Game Pass, hiking a price hike wasn't the solution and now like no. re- going back on that isn't really a solution either but whatever we'll see what comes of it hmm. uh i don't know what else to say about that i had something I think that's in mind. it it's gone they made a mistake a big mistake they're probably going to take years to bounce back in terms of consumer <laughs> trust but uh yeah they did the right thing i think they probably should have said you know what we're totally wanting this we're getting rid of gold entirely that would yeah. have been the that would have been the new Coke situation. That was the thing that I was going to say. Like, they, as part of the messaging originally, they're like, "Oh, we don't really put, raise the price price of Xbox Live Gold. We haven't done it for so long." Oh, by the way, it's now double. I was like, "Oh, at least do like a Netflix and be like, oh, it's like mm. two bucks extra a month. Like, that's it. It's not like double. It's just like a little, a little teeny bit. And do that like a couple times if you really, really want to to like slowly raise the price. But pointing out mm. that you haven't raised the price in a while, and then like going." For the moon. got so much value. What are you doing? <laughs> to make it even worse, they announced the games with gold games. So PlayStation came out and said, we've got Control Ultimate, whatever destruction thing is called, Concrete Genie, and Xbox is like, we've got Resident Evil, the GameCube one, and uh, Gears 5, which you already have in Game Pass and has been out for ages. Yeah. They needed to at least soften it with his, like, three Sweet amazing games. games. Like, yeah. at least a Control Ultimate, like a launching game. No. Yeah. Well, it's and the weird thing, like Microsoft doesn't care about live at all, and they don't want to put good games on games with gold because they want them mm. for Game Pass. Um, and like, there's, there's even the PlayStation Plus thing right now is stupid because there's how many people that were told six months ago that they had to buy Control Ultimate Edition if they wanted it on PS5 and the PS4 to PS5 thing couldn't work and it's completely incompatible. You just have to buy it, go pre-order it now and you'll get it on PS4 and you'll get it on PS5 later. And then at like three days before the game comes out, they're like, oh, by the way, it's free if you have PlayStation Plus. And people are like, but I've already bought it. Do, do I get a refund? Well, no, because you bought it on PS4 and it also gave you PS5 access. So uh, mm. like, yeah, that was a mess. It's stupid. The whole thing's stupid. Mm. You know, it's not stupid. A successful Australian gaming industry, Ben. That is good. So we're all spending. Basically, we're all spending more money on games this year. I can't year. imagine why. What's what? What's changed? No surprise there. But I'm glad to see at least that is there's been one positive impact, I suppose. Although it doesn't necessarily mean that you're buying locally made games, so it may not be helping local developers. Uh, but yeah, no surprise. This is pretty much what you would have guessed if someone said what went up in spending in 2020 probably games movies alcohol uh furniture everyone's Tech. buying couches these days i bought a couch recently you bought a couch sure all that did. stuff you bought a uh, house recently yeah, houses so it's almost impossible to buy a house side note the people we bought the house from can't buy another house because they can't find any because it's just crazy there's 
there's no houses to buy. Well, too uh, late. We, they already sold theirs. Get, get out. They, well, the... there's apparently no rentals either. When we told our real estate agent we're leaving our rental, he's like, no problems. We'll only need one inspection. We'll find someone. No problem. Like, there's, there's way more people looking for rentals than there are available. What is so going on? It's too late for the people that you bought the house off to move into your rental and rent that for a bit. No, could did you, possibly did you, work. Did you even think of that? You should, you know, uh, some easy solution for them. Yeah, Doesn't maybe. matter. Too late. Mm. Um, <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, the COVID situation. Yeah, everything things. is weird. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so, all fine now. It's well. It, there's there's good things for the industry. Obviously, like more more revenue, increased revenue means job stability. So, of the I think it was around fifteen hundred people that were surveyed. Um, there's not a oh, well, there's like a, a high majority of developers uh, don't have plans to lay anybody off. They have plans to hire. So you know the industry is growing, um, and the IGEA Interactive Games and Entertainment Association, who's kind of I guess not really the union. They're just like the the group, the lobbying mm. group. I don't know what to call it. I should be more versed in this. Anyway, they're good peeps. Uh, they said that's all well and good, but we still need more um, buy-in from the government. So there are some initiatives in Victoria and South Australia specifically. Um, and I think 40% of developers are in uh, Victoria accordingly. But obviously more states um, offering uh, funding and you know a national program would be even better. And we could grow... Uh, our development industry, much like Canada, funneled a whole bunch of money into film and games in kind of uh, on the West Coast in Vancouver and uh, on the East Coast uh, in Quebec. Uh, Ubisoft specifically mm -hmm. is, is doing a lot there. Um, yeah, I am trailing off, Ben, so save me. So yeah, I that's just... pretty much what you've got. Uh, <laughs> good work, Australian game industry. We should note that one of the bigger developers in Australia just got sold to a French publisher. So Big Ant, which was probably one of our bigger developers, is technically no longer Australian, mm. uh, owned by the French. And they so suppose they're going from making cricket to what are the French play lacrosse? Did, I, did they do play they? that? I don't think <laughs> well, they do. Sounds Frenchy. The Canadians do. They didn't make that. Okay. They don't make lacrosse games. They make tennis games, cricket games, and and what's the other one? Tennis and cricket and. Maybe that's it. Do you know what? Now I say that I'm pretty sure Bigger has made a lacrosse game with a Canadian developer. They helped them or something. So I think so too. Uh, Casey Powell. Joke, whatever yeah. it was. Damn Anyhow. It. Uh, and weirdly, they took over Tennis World Tour, even though they were making AO Tennis. And that's probably the start of their little relationship with Nacon because they worked on that together. So who knows? Hmm. All what right. Was it like 50, 53 million? 56 million? Something like that? Something promising. We'd be better if we were a fact-based show rather than kind of... We're not a fact-based. Well, that's a fact. I knew they got bored. Go. So. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Uh, that's it for this episode. We've been here for a long time. It's been a return episode for us. The first of yes. the season. I and suppose we... this is a new season. 2021 season. Sure. Uh, we have seasons now? Cool. Yeah, why not? Why not? Uh, yeah. So that's us done for this episode. How do we find you on the social medias? Uh, I'm AU on everything. And of course, I'm on Survivor.com. Mm, and how okay. about you, Ben? I am Ben underscore Salter on Twitter. That's where you'll find me raging about things. Uh, yeah, that's it for us this episode. We'll be back in two weeks when we'll have played probably no new games. I think we've talked about them all. We've talked about Control and Mario. That's it. That's all that comes out. So Yeah. And we might have guests. We might not. We might have guests and I might forget to record it and you'll never know. So whatever. Mm. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. It could be mm. a cool cliffhanger 
on this, our new season. Okay, bye. <laughs>